Okay, so right now we find ourselves sort of in this little gap of time uh, in between Tisha B'Av and before, hopefully not to get uh, too far ahead of ourselves, before the Yom Noraim really get uh, really get started. Um, it's not that far off, but uh, we're going to be in denial for a little bit for uh, perhaps a couple of weeks just to not have to think about it, if that's okay with uh, with you all. So, uh, therefore, we have to uh, find something before we get to those topics of the Yom Nuraim, of, of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Tshuva, Sukkot, uh, stuff, Simplest Torah, stuff of that, uh, that sort. So, what I think we're going to do is, I think what we're going to do is, we're going to do a piece from the Shari Yosher. So, the Shari Yosher, let me just give you a little bit of background before I bring it up on the screen. So, the Shari Yosher is written by Rav Shimon Shkap. Shimon Shkap was around... Uh, at the end of the 19th century, the beginning of the 20th uh, century, probably more dominantly in the, predominantly in the uh, the 20th century. Uh, and he was known really as an outstanding Lamdan. That's uh, what his, his farm, this, this name of the, the set, Shari Yosher, was really written as a Lamdish Sefer. Those who are doing Dafyomi now, so we're actually in those sugyas, we're about to get into those sugyas that have a lot to do with Rove and Chazaka, how you determine uncertainties based on majorities and presumptions and all sorts of different factors which are related to that. So he went ahead and throughout like all of Shas and all of the Rishonim, he went ahead and organized all of that and it was able to sort of like collate it all and make sense out of it all. Have a, you know, a common theme which explains everything in Shas, you know, something, uh, you know, something along those, uh, those lines which demonstrates an incredible amount of mastery of that uh, very complex uh, uh, material. So that is the Sefer, which is called Shari Yosher. And he has a very famous introduction. We've referred to it many times over the years in drushas and shurims and stuff, like, and stuff like that. But now I thought it's time that we go ahead and we actually see it inside as part of this uh, series. So that's what we are going to do. And here also what we're going to do is, just because he writes so uh, eloquently, and so beautifully, it's worthwhile to see uh, exactly the way he uh, puts everything together. So I was able to find Baruch Hashem a copy of this, uh, which has a much easier print to read than the copy which I have downstairs from the actual Sefer itself. So hopefully it will make it a little bit uh, easier for us to be able to uh, to make our way through. Okay, so he starts off like uh, like this. He says, Yisbarach habore v'yisal ha'yotzer, you see that they have uh, in large font over there, the word Yisbarach and then Hey Vav Hey. So it's typical in Sfarim, in the introduction for the author to begin with four words, which spell out Hashem's name, Yud Kei Vav Kei. So that's what he goes at and he does uh, over here. Shebaranu Bitsalmo Ubitzuch Tavniso. So with the, uh, we are thankful to Hashem. He's created us in his image and in his form. And eternal life he has implanted inside of us. That we are going to be the most precious uh, commodity which he has. And with the opportunity to be able to do nice things for others. The word zulasenu, zulas, refers to others. We can do favors, we can do nice things for individuals as well as many people. Behova uba asid in the present as well as in the future. 
bidmus following the uh, example, following the modeling of that behavior, because he does his kulotov, he does only goodness and only kindness to others. So therefore, we were created in his image, as he's going to elaborate, in order to be able to do the same thing. Because everything which Baruch Hu created, and everything which he formed, his intent was is only to do things which are beneficial for his creatures. So there's nothing extraneous in the universe whatsoever. And everything which we see, which is part of creation, everything which exists in creation, is considered to be part of what was, was, was made specifically to be able to benefit creation. So there's nothing extra, and there's nothing which is, uh, which is not needed. And, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as we said, he modeled this behavior for us, so that we would take example from it, that we should follow his ways, like the Pasuk says, that you should follow the ways of Hashem. So this is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants from us, is that just like everything which he did was to benefit others, so too we're all supposed, also supposed to uh, uh, um, uh, follow that pattern of behavior, and we're all supposed to go ahead and do things which which emulate that, which follow that, and uh, 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 do favors for others. Hainu, in other words, that we, Klal Yisrael, who are the best thing in in all of creation, we are the the uh, the uh, the highest level of all of creation. Magamasenu tamid. So our sights, that's what Magamasenu means, our sights and our focus should always be to sanctify all of our uh, energy, both physical as well as spiritual, to do what we can to benefit the community, to benefit the public, according to our capacity. So this is what we're supposed to be focused on. We're not focused focus on advancing our own career or our own um, uh, uh, accomplishments. Really, our focus and what we're supposed to attend to, what we're supposed to be uh, keep our attention on, is how can I go ahead and help the Rabbim? How can I go ahead and do more for the public? Uladaiti, and then he says, and this is where it gets, he, he says his Chiddush, I'm sorry, one second. I don't know who that is. Um, but, 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 how do I pause? So, our, so that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be, so he's going to explain to us his Kiddush, uh, of where this is derived from. And then he's going to go ahead and ask his question, which helps us um, uh, understand better and more deeply what exactly he's getting at over here. So he says, in my opinion, this idea that we're supposed to be working in our focus and our attention is supposed to be figuring out how we could use our resources and our energy to best <laughs> serve the cloud. So all of that, he says, is encompassed in the very simple phrase, but very famous phrase, Kedoshim to you the instruction that we should be holy. 
And what exactly does it mean that we should be holy? What exactly is Kedusha? So he says, and it's not going to be what you, what you are expecting the definition of holiness to be. He says, because the Medrash says, the Medrash says regarding this Pasuk, when the, when the Torah says, to you, you should be holy. So the Medrash asks, kamoni. so I might have thought that maybe our holiness should be resemble and should be similar to God's holiness, that we should be as holy as God. Therefore, the Pasuk says, no, no, no. Don't think that your holiness could be on par, could be on the same level as my holiness, because kikadosh ani. Hashem says, because I am holy, that's part of that very same passage. You should be holy because I am holy, meaning kedushasi lemalem kedushaschem. So the Medrash says, according to the Medrash, HaKadosh Baruch Hu declares, I want you to be holy. However, don't ever think that your holiness could actually resemble mine or could be on the same level as mine, because my holiness is always going to be higher than yours. So what exactly does that mean? And before he goes out and explains the intent of the Medrash, he says at the very core in the foundation of this mitzvah, which we call Kedusha, to be holy, it says in another Medrash, Kedoshim to you, you should be holy. What does it mean to be holy? What's the definition of holy? Perushim to you. You should be ascetic. Is that the word? A-S-C-E-T-I-C-S? Ascetic. So you should be separate, meaning non-indulgent. It's easier for me to say non-indulgent than it is to say ascetic. But you should go ahead and you should be non-indulgent. And if you look in the Ramban, in his commentary of the Torah, on that mitzvah of Kedoshim to you, So he elaborates a great length on the extent of uh, non-indulgence which is involved in this mitzvah. Shahu, and he says, the way the Ramban famously is, 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 says, and the way he's famously quoted is, that a person should distance himself sorry, from any benefit and any extraneous pleasure. That's what I'm saying, non-indulgent. So you don't want to go ahead, if you don't need to eat a chalice, you don't go ahead and eat a chalice. If you don't need that additional piece of candy, that additional sour stick, or that additional piece of herring for those for, those for whom that will, be, uh, that will resonate. So you don't go ahead and have that which is extra, because that's considered to be overindulgent, that's too much. In other words, in the emphasis that the Ramban says is we're not talking about somebody wants to go ahead and eat a double bacon cheeseburger. Eating a double bacon cheeseburger, that's a straight violation of an isser. Nobody's going to go ahead and try and rationalize and say that that should be allowed. However, having an additional sour stick or having an additional Laffy Taffy or something like that, where you don't really need it, you already had seven, you don't really need that eighth one. So in such a case, that's considered to be overindulgent. And even though it's kosher, it may even have a Haimah Shehechsher on it, and it complies with Shemitah and Chadash and Chav Yisrael, and, uh, and uh, Bishal Yisrael, and Glot, and all of those things. Nonetheless, if it involves indulging, so that's not something, that's, a, that's something that the Pasuk of Kedoshim Tiyu tells us that we should refrain from. Now he says, Ubitsiur Mavlit Omer, and Mavlit means to this uh, pronounced, this something which is sticking out, something which is jutting out. So in a very clear example, he says, 
this is also a famous phrase, a person can be a novel. Novel means a corrupt individual while still remaining a grub individual, maybe we'll say. But a person can be a, 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 a non-refined individual while remaining within the Dalad Amos of, of Halacha. Without violating any particular Isser, a person can be a bad person. So there is such a thing which exists, that a person is going to remain compliant with the technical aspects of the Torah. So you can't point to that person at any, at any time and say, hey, you're violating some sort of Isser. But even though they're not violating some sort of Isser, everything about their behavior and everything about their existence is Ich. Let's just go ahead and we'll say it like that. And we know people like that, who you can't necessarily pinpoint on them that they're doing in Avera per se, but there's no way that this is proper behavior. There's no way that this is appropriate. They are too aggressive. They're too rude. They're too whatever it happens to be. But there are people who are like that. And this is what the Ramban refers to as Naval Bershus Torah. So a person can be a corrupt individual while remaining within the Dalad Amos of Halacha. And that's also part of Kedoshim Tiyo. Kedoshim Tiyo means that not only do you have to be compliant with the technical laws of the Torah, but you also have to be somebody who is not going to be that yutz and is not going to be that person who overindulges and takes advantage of things. And uh, yeah. Now he says, now if we put these two ideas together, so on the one hand, we have the idea Kedoshim Tiyu. This is his question now. We have the passage which says, Kedoshim Tiyu, you should be holy. And the Medrash entertains that perhaps what the, what the intention of the Pasuk is, we should be as holy as God. So our Kedusha is, could at least be entertained to be similar as the Kedusha of God on the one hand. And then we're told, what does it mean to be holy? It means don't be overindulgent. So put this together. If A equals B and B equals C, so that means, as he's going to explain, one may think that God's holiness is the fact that God isn't overindulgent. That doesn't make any sense, because God doesn't need tangy taffy or laffy taffy. He doesn't even have that first one, let alone go ahead and have that, uh, that eighth one. Akash Baruch Hu doesn't partake of physical things in this world where we could say, yes, what you're doing, God, is technically compliant with halacha, but it still makes you a yatz nonetheless. That doesn't make any sense that God has any of those characteristics of being the novel Bershus Torah. So now he, explain, he explains, So based on the Ramban's explanation of Kedoshim to you, meaning to be ascetic, to be non-indulgent, so the original Medrash, which talked about our Kedusha being similar to God's Kedusha, so that's difficult to understand. How is it possible when it comes to asceticism to go ahead and resemble God? What does asceticism have to do with God? And to such a degree that we would think that it's applicable to God, and therefore the Pasuk has to go out of its way to teach us, doesn't expect us to be the same as him. Shere Omer Yachokamoni, because the Medrash says that your holiness may be something which resembles God's holiness. Therefore, the Pasuk has to go ahead and say, I am holy, meaning, that my holiness is greater than your holiness. But if holiness is defined as asceticism, so it's difficult to imagine what exactly asceticism has to do with God. 
People have to be ascetics because they have a tendency to engage in physical pleasures. And asceticism means I'm going to refrain, I'm going to restrain myself, I'm not going to go ahead and I'm not going to overindulge. But that has no relevance to God at all. God isn't going ahead and ordering, you know, an Uber Eats, a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, dinners that he would uh, otherwise indulge if it was that he was holy. Ubiyoser kasha. And then the Shari Yosher of Shimon Shkup says what's even more difficult is loving Mashamasik is to understand the conclusion, which is Kedushasi Lamalam Kedushaschem. Gershbaruch states in no uncertain terms, my holiness, my sanctity is greater than yours. That this, uh, this uh, concept uh, uh, demands of us. And we have to understand the fact that Baruch Hu says your kedusha will not be on the same level of mine. That may mean that we're not on the same level as God's kedusha, but there is a common denominator between God's kedusha and our kedusha. It's not exactly the same, but it's within the same ballpark. It's within the same orbit, or something like that. Shashem Doresh Meitanu the Gosh is expecting of us to demonstrate Kedusha, which is at least resembles God's in some way. It's not exactly the same level, but it resembles His. It's just that His Kedusha is more encompassing and is more general. But nonetheless, it's still considered to be a similar category of Kedusha. And therefore, if we never dicker move on a kedusha, and therefore, if we were to say that the main definition of kedusha is shashem darish meitanu b'mitzvazu shakedoshim tiyu lisarachim minamosos, and if we are going to go ahead and follow the Ramban in the uh, the medrash that the Ramban is based on, that the whole definition, the entire definition of kedusha, is to refrain from overindulgence from not uh, taking too much, uh, from being an ascetic and, uh, and not overindulging. So, so we would struggle to figure out what exactly that means for God to be ascetic. doesn't make any sense, because he does, as we said, he doesn't indulge, he doesn't participate in physical things anyways, so there's nothing for him to go ahead and exercise self-control and self-restraint as far as not doing something, because he wouldn't be doing any of those things anyways. So these are the questions that the, the Reb Shimon Shkup is, uh, is answering. Number one is, we need to have a functional definition of Kedusha. And that functional connect, uh, definition of Kedusha has to be something which we'll be, able to un, we'll be able to readily understand that there is a parallel between our Kedusha and Hashem's Kedusha. But nonetheless, his Kedusha is going to be greater than ours in scope and in, in, in volume. But nonetheless, there is some uh, uh, some uh, similarity between the Kedusha, which HaKadosh Baruch Hu possesses by his very nature, and the Kedusha, which we are striving for as a result of our behavior. So this is what the uh, what Rabbi Shimon is trying to understand. Okay, so now he says, in the second paragraph here, he says, So he says, it would seem to me, this is amazing. He says, this mitzvah kol encompasses the entire foundation in the entire root of the goal of our lives. 
This is it. This mitzvah contains, this is mitzvah is at the root and is at the foundation of everything, all of our, uh, uh, all of our plans and all of our aspirations in our entire perspective of how we're supposed to live our lives in a productive way, all of that ultimately is going to be rooted in this particular mitzvah of Kedoshim to you. This forms the, 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 the guidepost of how we're going to be able to reach our destination, how we're going to be able to fulfill our purpose in this world and fulfill our destiny. And that is, as he said, sheyu kol avodaseinu v'amaleinu tamid mukdashim l'tavasaklau. I wish I was able to highlight this uh, for you. But he says that all of our voter, all of our efforts, and all of our work, and everything which we do, tamid mukdashim, should always be sanctified. And we're still translating it as sanctified now, although we're going to change the translation as we go on in this paragraph. But everything that we do, all of our efforts, all of our energy, physical as well as spiritual, should all be directed towards this one purpose, should be mukdashim, should be sanctified, to do good things for Klai Yisrael. We're not doing things to, in a self-serving manner. We're doing things in a selfless manner in order to be able to better, to be, that other people should be able to benefit and have more enriched and more, uh, in, in easier lives. In other words, there should not be any action or on a very high level, any movement whatsoever, any benefit or pleasure, that does not include in it the intent to do something which is going to benefit somebody else. In other words, none of my behaviors should be purely selfish, purely for my benefit, that I should be able to enjoy, I should be able to benefit from, that it's going to be completely self-serving. Everything that we do, in some way, shape, or form, has to somehow connect to my intention to serve Klayusel, to do better for Klayusel, to improve the existence of Klayusel. Everything which I do, even as I eat breakfast, as I eat lunch, as I take my Snickers break, and whatever I happen to do, my exercise or my lack of exercise, whatever you do, everything should be done with the intention of serving Klai Yisrael. and as is understood, and here he says also a very profound thing. He says that if you think about it, whenever we talk about in halachic terminology, we're not talking about hashkafa right now. When we talk about from a halachic perspective, when we talk about something becoming kadosh or sanctifying something, what we're doing is it's hisyachdus, that's the third to last word there, it's designation, for a higher purpose. So what happens? I look out at my flock of animals and I say, that bull is going to be a korban. So now I've designated that bull, that the hisyachdus. I've taken that bull from the uh, from you know playing in the in the in the yard with all of its friends, and I'm now going to designate that for a higher purpose, which is going to be to bring a korban. Or I go ahead and I look at my car and I say, you know what, the besamikdash probably needs some sort of a vehicle, and uh, therefore I'm going to I'm going to be makdish. I'm going to sanctify my car to the besamikdash. So that takes my car as opposed to any of my other possessions, and I'm designating it, I'm assigning it a sacred function, which is to now be based on Mitish property. In all matters of Kedush, if I go ahead and I make a shul, 
I take some mundane ground and I go ahead and say, this place right here, this location is now going to be designated for the purpose of Torah and Tefillah. So now I sanctified that location and now is infused with sanctity because it's now been designated for a higher purpose. It's no longer just stam, a piece of property. It's not a piece of property of a designated nature because I've, because I've dedicated it for something else. So Kedusha, he says, Kedusha Reb Shimon says, always involves taking something which is mundane and now focusing its function so that it's now exclusively there to serve a higher purpose. That's what Kedusha is. He says, I mean, it's the same thing, right? If, if you remember from uh, 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 the past. So we talk about that there's like three different Kedushas. There's Kedushas Haguf, the Kedusha of the physical body. There's Kedushas Hazman, there's a sanctity of time, like Shabbos is, sancti- is a time which is sanctified, as opposed to the rest of the days of the week. And then there's Kedushas Makom, there's Kedusha of place, like a Beis Amitash, or like a Shul, or a Beis Medrash, so that's more sacred than, than another place. So all of that is, is what the halachic definition, the halachic concept of Kedusha happens to be. Vine, and he says, when a person goes ahead and strains out his way, meaning that he's going to be focused, and he desires, he yearns that everything in his life, every path that he goes down, by, goes down in his life will be sanctified for Klal Yisrael, will be designated for the betterment of Klal Yisrael, so then everything which that person does, evenly, even those activities which seemingly are self-serving, for example, if the person goes out and eats breakfast and lunch and dinner, and he makes sure to eat healthy, or a person goes out and exercises so that he'll have more energy and he'll have a, be, live, be, have a healthier life, why do you want to go ahead and eat? And why do you want to go ahead and exercise and do all of those things? That is so that you have the energy to be able to serve Klai Yisrael. If you don't eat and you don't rest, and you don't exercise, and you don't do all of those things, so that is going to diminish what you could potentially give of yourself to Klai Yisrael. So every time you take care of your physical body, you can do it with one of two intentions. You can either say, I'm indulging because this looks like some delicious food, and I enjoy when my body tastes delicious food. That would be completely self-serving. Or you could say, I'm eating because if I eat now, that will give me energy. And if I have energy, then I'll be able to, whatever it is going to be that you're going to do, to be able to serve Klai Yisrael later on. So that's what Reb Shimon is saying, is the Mitzvah of Kedoshim Tiyu tells us that what we need to do is we need to change our focus, we need to change our attention, and we need to realize that our purpose is, our purpose predominantly is to go ahead and to do all of those things which we normally do, but to have in mind in a global sense that this is going to position me or this is going to allow me, give me the energy or the resources to be able to better serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In my lifetime. So this will allow me to go ahead and to do a tova, to do favors for the community. Because by taking care of myself, by eating healthy, by exercising, by sleeping, by doing all of those things, 
who metif im harabim hatsuichim lo, so that's going to allow you to be able to uh, use resources for the uh, for the improvement of Klal Yisrael, which is ultimately what we're trying to what we're trying to accomplish. So therefore, none of these acts, even the physical acts which we engage in, none of them are designed to be self-serving. That should only be something that I benefit from. We need to go ahead and project our sights outwards to allow us to always think about how we're going to be able to use this in order to in order to serve others. But he says, Avali munene hana min mosrios. An interesting term he says over there. But he says, in the event that one goes out and benefits in a way which is superfluous. So that's where you have the eighth Laffy Taffy, or you go ahead and you uh, you get yourself a second dessert as opposed to sufficing with uh, with just one. She'enan drushos and you go ahead and you engage in something which is completely unnecessary for the health of your body or your soul. So it's extraneous. It's something which is completely extra. It's something which is completely self-indulgent, and it's not going to give you any more energy whatsoever. So this type of benefit is something which goes against, this violates the principle of Kedusha. Because it's completely self-indulgent and you don't need it at all. So if it's completely self-indulgent and it's not serving, it's not going to carry over and allow you to be able to serve Klai Yisrael any better. So why are you engaging in that activity? It's only self-serving. And that's what, we're, that's what the midst of Kedusha tells us. We're not allowed to do something which is completely self-serving. Because when, you, when a person self-indulges, so in the moment, they have the impression, they, they feel as if they feel better about themselves. That was delicious. That's a delicious steak. And you sort of sit back and you relax. You say, ah, I'm so happy I got the 24-ounce rather than the 16-ounce steak because those extra eight ounces are just so delicious. But even though the 16 ounces would have served you just fine to give you the energy which you, which, which you need, but still, it's something which is uh, in the moment, it seems like it's self-serving, but ultimately, as soon as you finish eating it, so it just becomes a distant memory and it does nothing for you. Ulazulaso ain't shumtoalis. And on top of which, so for a, the other people, so it does not help them at all. It's not going to be helpful in serving them in, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, one of my Rebbeim likes to say, this was uh, going back when they first started putting soda machines, pop machines, in yeshivas, so, uh, so the Rashiva apparently gave a schmooze and said, listen, I understand that for some of you, having a cold drink during Seder is something which is going to refresh you and it's something which is going to give you energy. And I get all of that. Why do you need six flavors? <laughs> Why do you need a choice of six different flavors? Put one flavor in the machine. Anybody who wants cold will have whatever flavor it is. Why do you have to now start deciding, I like this, I like Coke rather than Pepsi, or I like Dr. Pepper, or I like orange, or I like whatever it happens to be. Once you're going into the tasting of it, so that already is a self-indulgent. And therefore, why do you, why do you go ahead and why do you need any of that, uh, any of that, uh, that stuff? So and you find a similar thing. Everybody here is old enough to, to, uh, to, to understand that uh, having a cup of coffee usually had one intention in mind. You wanted a cup of coffee because there's caffeine, and that's going to go ahead and get you going. Now that you could have 6,000 different varieties of coffee with you know, this additive and this additive and frothy milk and not frothy milk and all those things, what, what does that do? 
right? It's, it's certainly not going to, it does, none of that adds more caffeine or more sugar into your drink. If you want more caffeine and more sugar, you get a stronger coffee or you add more sugar. So all of that in a certain way just becomes, not, I'm not saying you shouldn't have those drinks. But I'm saying that in that regard, it becomes something which is like so self-indulgent to go ahead and to need a particular drink in a particular way, all because of the way that it tastes and rather than the function of it. So if it's something which is, if, if what we do is supposed to be functional rather than self-indulgent, so then you would go ahead and you would think, do I need such a fancy coffee or I don't need such a, such a fancy coffee? So this is something which uh, Rib Shimon says that we need to think about in terms of Kedoshim to you. It's not an Aveira to have a fancy coffee. It's not an Aveira to you know, spend $15 on a, on a cup of coffee at the end of the day. But it's something which may not be consistent with the Mitzvah of Kedoshim to you. Because at a certain point, uh, it's, uh, it becomes self-indulgent and you don't need all of that extra. So he says, the Alp Davarzet, so he says, based on this idea, Inyan mitzvah shall precious, who tamsis me sold mitzvah kedusha. So now Rabbi Shimon says we can understand how the mitzvah of precious, how the mitzvah, the way the Ramban understands the mitzvah of kedoshim to you, which is to be non-indulgent, to be ascetic, we can now understand what that has to do with the mitzvah of kedusha. Meaning, uh, yeah, hanikeres bepoel. Which is that it's something which is now going to be evident in a person's behavior. Because are you doing something which is self-indulgent? It's beyond what you need in order to be healthy, in order to be able to have energy and resources to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Or is it something which is, uh, which is above and beyond what you actually need? And therefore it becomes self-indulgent and it becomes inconsistent with this principle of Kedusha. But he says, But he says, in terms of the thinking process and the yearning of my soul, the yearning of my spirit, so this mitzvah goes out and expands, it grows. And it's not only something which is going to be something which is limited in a very narrow sense, but now this becomes this all-encompassing guiding principle of my life, that everything which I do, which is essentially the Pasuk of that in all of your ways you should know God. Meaning that everything that you do, you should have in mind that this is going to give me energy, this is going to give me the opportunity to be able to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu or Klal Yisrael better. And if you can't go ahead and answer positively to that question, is this somehow going to help you serve Claudia so better? So then you have to consider, is this an activity which I actually need to engage in, or this is not an activity which I need to, uh, to engage in? But this becomes the, uh, the, 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 the guiding principle of our lives. And as far as this is concerned, so again, it's not asceticism for the sake of asceticism. What precious is, is that Iprecious is really the flip side of Kedusha. But I shouldn't even say the flip side. It's a synonym of Kedusha. In other words, Kedusha means that I'm designated to serve in Klayuso. Iprecious means, the asceticism means, I'm not going to self-indulge because that doesn't serve Klayuso. Self-indulgent by definition is self-indulgent. It's not something which benefits Kaiso. But any of those things which I could do, which I could justify and say, I need to do this so that I'll have energy or resources to be able to serve Kaiso, so then you should pursue it. 
So that's why we sleep, and that's why we eat, and that's why we go on vacations, and that's why we relax, and that's why we do most of the things which we do, because if we get overworked or we get burned out, then we're not going to be able to serve Klai anymore. So we need to take care of ourselves in a way which is ultimately going to be productive for Klai not where we go ahead and we wear ourselves uh, too thin. And in this regard, Misdam in Kedusha Zulu Kedusha Sabor Yizbarach, and now we can understand now that we understand what exactly Kedusha is, we can understand a little bit better, we have a, a glimpse of the similarity between our Kedusha and the Kedusha of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that the Medrash says, Yachol Kamoni, that you may think that your Kedusha is supposed to be similar to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's, uh, Kedusha. So now we can understand, that there is some sort of parallel and there is some sort of similarity between the two of them. What is that? So he explains. So, what is HaKadosh Baruch Hu's interaction with the universe which he created? Right? So, HaKadosh Baruch Hu isn't self-indulgent. He didn't create a universe in order to amuse himself, that he'll have something to watch, that before uh, YouTube and TikTok were created, so he would have something to be able to go ahead and watch what was going on in the universe to find the entertainment. The whole reason why HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the universe and his intention from the very outset is to do tov, is to do goodness, to, to create a creature which is going to be able to benefit from the ultimate tov, which is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's what Avram Avinu was able to discern as he looked at the physical universe. He was able to tell not only that there was a creator, but there's a creator who's in the, in the purpose of creation was in order to do tov, in order to do good things for other people. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu's interaction with the entire universe is one of not asceticism in the sense that he's not self-indulging, but it's Kedusha in the sense that his whole interaction with the universe is to do tov, is to benefit mankind, is to benefit the creation which he went ahead and he did. So everything which his, his, our entire perception of him is selflessness in the sense that he wants to do good for us. And everything which he does in this universe is going to be to serve our purpose. And not only was that what happened when he created the world in the first place, that he did so with the intention that it's going to be tov, that he's going to go ahead and he's going to serve, and he's going to provide benefit for mankind. But every moment that he continues to infuse the universe with energy, and he allows the universe to continue to exist, that also is a continuation of that tov. Not the selflessness, not the selfishness, sorry. It's not selfishness why God created the world and allows, the, infuses energy for the world to continue to exist, but it's selflessness. It's giving of himself for the benefit of, uh, for, the, for the betterment of others. Ko maisav, heim mukdashim l'tovas zulaso. Everything which HaKadosh Baruch because he can't, he's not physical, so he can't get any physical pleasure out of anything which exists. So his entire purpose, the entire function is solely for that purpose of doing something for others. So that's the Kedusha, which we now, that's how we understand God's um, performance of Kedusha, God's definition of Kedusha. And Cain, Ritzon, Yizbarach, and then HaKadosh Baruch created mankind, he created us with this similar idea. 
that our actions should always be something which is a reflection of our desire to do good for others. And it should not be something which is exclusively self-serving. And this now is that perspective. This now is the hashkafa, which we're, we're supposed to go ahead and we're supposed to adopt in terms of the outlook of our lives. The outlook of our lives is that our goal here, our purpose here, our function here, our destiny has nothing to do with being self-serving. It's not to better myself. It's not that I should be able to advance or I should be able to accumulate or I. It's never about the I. It's always about the other. Now, it happens to be that if I'm going to give to another, I can't give to you if I don't have myself. If I have no energy, I can't share with you my energy. If I don't have any money, I can't give any tzedakah. If I don't eat dinner, then I'm going to be starving and I'm going to be cranky, and then I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to deplete your energy as, as well. I'll get hangry, and that's going to take away from you as, as well. So what we do over the course of our lives, we're going to be doing those things anyways. We sleep anyways, we eat anyways, whatever we're going to do, we go to work anyways. So all of those things we're going to do anyways. The only question is, what's the attitude which you bring to the table when you engage in those activities? Are you doing it because you think it's serving you? Or are you doing it because you want to have energy and resources in order to be able to serve Klai Yisrael? And the mitzvah of Kedoshim Tiyu, the mitzvah to be holy and to be separate, instructs us, guides us to not engage in activities which are purely self-serving and selfish, but rather we should engage in activities which we have this overall, this big picture of this is going to allow me to ultimately serve Klai Yisrael better. And all those things which we do then get encompassed by that or included in that, but that becomes the primary focus of our lives is that this is going to help me serve Klai Yisrael better. Okay, so this is where we're going to hold it for this week. One second, Charlene. Uh, next week when we, uh, when we do this, so we'll see that uh, with the apparent uh, difficulty in that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created us almost by nature, or not almost, by nature, to be very selfish rather than selfless. And the question is, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to be selfless, why did he create us selfish? But not shellfish, that he answered. Okay. <laughs> So that is as far as the uh, share. Yes, Charlene. This seems to be somewhat contradictory to the idea that when you give tzedakah to someone who's, you know, just lost everything and you want to, you know, support him, that you're supposed to support him to the level that he's used to. So if, if he's used to a lavish, extravagant lifestyle, we're right. supposed to support that. But here you're saying, that's not supposed to be what we're supposed to be aiming for. We're supposed to be aiming for minimalism. I'll put it that way. Right. Um, so I don't understand why would why would halacha say that you should support somebody for a more lavish lifestyle? This has always bothered me too. The whole thing, the idea that you know, give someone tzedakah, but not to support them so that you know they're overdoing it. Right. So we're, we're actually coming up to that soon in Dafyomi, those uh, those sugyas. But I think the difference is going to be whether or not you are looking at yourself or whether you're looking at others. So you can only control yourself. So as far as you, yourself is concerned, so that's where we say that you should not be overindulging and don't develop lavish lifestyles, which in the event that you lose your income, that that's going to necessitate other people to support you at a very high level. 
So in terms of how you're going to conduct yourself in your own life, so that's what we're talking about tonight. Then what you brought up in terms of that person, so once you have a person who has that lavishness, so the mitzvah tzedakah says, I have to go ahead and I have to maintain him where he is. He may have been wrong to set himself up that way in the first place, but that doesn't change the fact that right now he's in need of all of those things, like the Gemara is going to talk about, that you had the person who lost everything, and they uh, and one of the Tanaim went ahead and led this fellow's horse as they were walking through the street, because that's what he needed for his dignity. Now, nobody should need somebody else to lead their horse through the street, but nonetheless, since that's where he was at that moment, the Mitzvah Tzedakah is to take care of that person where they are. So the, the answer to your question is we're differentiating between what I... I, I I should do vis-a-vis myself in my attitude as I look towards others. You don't say to somebody else, listen, uh, I'm not going to get you this. Or you, you don't need three side dishes for Shabbos. If you're, if you're accepting tzedakah anyways, you should be happy with one side dish for Shabbos. If even that, I'm just going to give you some boiled chicken and some vegetables. So we don't support a person that way. We give them a way that they're going to be able to enjoy Shabbos. Now, I may choose for myself, say, listen, I could get by with just boiled chicken and vegetables. Why do I need to go ahead and have all of those extra side dishes? But that's something which I can only do vis-a-vis myself. That's not something I could impose on other people and demand that they, uh, that they live my standards. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So thank you, everybody, for, uh, for coming.